Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 76 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Popper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my East Coast co hosts are up to. First, Dave the Alcadron Vader. How was your week post, uh, I guess, including Thanksgiving? Uh, good. So, my, my Thanksgiving, my Thursday was spent in my pajamas on the couch. I spoke with no one, and I ate uh, instant ramen and frozen pizza. Oh my god, that's fantastic. And it was one of the best days I have had in recent memory. <laughs> yeah, and that, that uh, wasn't like a sarcastic fantastic. Like, that that sounds actually very nice. Right, like it was so, after after a lot of like doing things with people all the time like just having that day off was really good and like i still did things with people on the weekend like i saw i saw some friends my family's too far away to see reliably on thanksgiving i'll see them at christmas but uh yeah i got to see some people we 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 had our feast just wasn't on thursday it was good yeah yeah good good deal good deal uh well next up is our resident pdh phd liam how was your holiday dude i can't even remember it that was too long ago. <laughs> These middle schoolers rub off on you. Like, yeah. like I, I believe I've gotten their short-term memory. You know, I, I was already in the habit of writing things down, but, like, I, it's gotten to the point where, like, I write things down, and then I lose, like, that post-it or a piece of paper or whatever, and I find it, like, a week later, and I'll read my note and be like, uh-huh. what does that mean? Like, not that, like, I can't read it. My handwriting's fantastic. It'll be just like, what does that mean? Like, I don't, I don't understand. What am I supposed to do with this clue? <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this information? Yeah. It's so bad. Like, I, I legit could not tell you. Like, I know that for, for, for my personal family, like, my, my, the, the nuclear family I grew up with, they're all in Georgia didn't go down to georgia over a five-day weekend and then my mom's side of the family were all sick my dad's side of the family hasn't done anything in years so i went to the wife's family stuff sure yeah and i remember there being a lot of football oh yeah i'm not a big sports person but they they no sports ball for you not a big person on that nope and and they tend to be like yeah all the men go in the basement and watch football and and yeah, I mm, yeah, not, I kind of tuned that couple hours out. So, <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, totally understandable. Yeah, yeah, I, I have that same problem. Like like you mentioned, I, I I write myself notes constantly, or I'll put notes in my phone constantly, but I forget to check them. Like, <laughs> how do you remind yourself to check something you're supposed to remind yourself to do? Like, I guess you set an alarm to check your notepad to check your to do list, or, or <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> Yeah, because I'll even try to like set a reminder or an alert on my calendar, and it ends up, I you know, I leave it on silent or whatever. I pick you know, uh, seven a.m. to eight a.m. when it's actually supposed to be like p.m. Like it's a whole it's a whole mess. So I end up not doing a lot of things. And, and the same with you, I'll find a note that I put in my phone like six months ago about it'll be like one sentence, and I'll be like, oh my god, I got to get this down. I'll totally remember what it's about, and then I'll see it later and be like, I don't know what this is. I just got to delete it. It could have been like the greatest idea I've ever had, and yeah. it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh, it's frustrating. Unfortunately, I don't delete them because I'm like, I'll remember it later. <laughs> Looks at a decade of yep. hundreds of 
one sentence notes. I just, I don't yeah. Know. And I'm like a stationary junkie. Like I love pens and uh, paper and portfolios and binders and organizers and all that stuff. Mm. And I'm like so not organized when it comes to that. No, see, I, I am I am a big uh, just simple pen and post-it kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Got lots of post-its just like 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 basically my 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 desk has been like wallpapered and post-its it's great <laughs> yeah i got a, a a buddy at work who's one of the a different project manager he's that same way like there's no clean spot on his desk his desk is clean other than the 400 post-it notes yep. and he knows where everything is like <laughs> if he wants to tell you something he knows exactly where that post-it note is oh, he yeah. doesn't have to flip through them search through them or nothing yeah i think i've got like 30 scattered around my classroom right now it's great yeah the kids the kids will be like what does that mean it's like don't worry about it it's like, I don't even know what it means. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the wife gets uh, irritated with me because I'm so particular about my pens. Like, I've I've come around to just, like, putting the grocery list on my phone, like, typing it in the notepad or whatever. But for the longest time, like, if we sat down to make a grocery list, I would have to find the right pen that I wanted to write the grocery list with. And it could not start. I could not start the list until I found the pen that I was in the mood for or the pen that I thought worked best with the piece of paper I grabbed. Mm-hmm. It's a mess. Oh, anyway... Let's get on to some housekeeping before we get to the main topic. If you like the show and you like what we're doing here, consider supporting us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash the PDH pod. By being a patron, you get access to the pre-show, which is usually sort of just like a bonus episode every week. A short recording of us is catching up, talking about what's going on, going over show notes, building new decks, apparently for commanders we uh, forgot about, etc. You also get early access to the episode before it goes live, usually the night before. And then finally, as a patron, you get access to the PDH pod discord server where you can chat with us. You can chat with other pdh pod family members patron family members um other members of the community all that sort of good stuff and then lastly if you want to check out the youtube and twitch channels where the pdh pod on both of those platforms as well and the latter is where i stream spell table pdh uh, every saturday evening usually start times around 5 p.m uh, central standard time so i think that cleans up the house nice and easy uh what do you got liam got any uh, this week in magic i do have a little bit of this week in magic so for nice. this week this past Tuesday, actually, for, for us, this was yesterday. For you guys, this is about 72 hours ago. There was a discussion on Weekly MTG about the new banning philosophies. Sort of kind of new, sort of kind of like old but revamped. For those that are more in tune than even I, you'll you'll know that the way that they ban and restrict cards for the other various formats of Magic uh, that apparently other people play. I, I don't know. Apparently the, <laughs> the cycles for that is going to change. They will do standard bannings basically once a year when standard rotation happens, uh, aside from any emergency bans that need to happen, uh, like like an Oko situation. Sure. Uh, yep. And then all the other formats get a, a BNR announcement that occurs roughly two to five weeks after every uh, standard set drop. So the, the next okay. one that's coming up is uh, actually... This coming Monday, December fourth, and they have hinted that there will be a lot of modern and pioneer changes. So now, did they say is this going to be uh, is is something being announced on these dates? Like, is it a general state of the format sort of thing, or is, is it just like they, well, there's no banning, so nothing's getting announced? No, they 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 said that on December fourth, they will both be banning and unbanning many things in modern and pioneer. Holy cow! Yeah, so so it's... that'd be interesting. <laughs> Who knows? It's <laughs> kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. And then in addition to that discussion, there was an announcement of announcements of announcements. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, yep. So the 
Karlov Mano set that comes out in like end of January, beginning of February. We will get the uh-huh. first look at that on Tuesday, December 5th. That will be on the weekly MTG stream. They will just be doing like first look. It's not preview season. It's not like official previews, but they will have preview cards. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot. Yep, yep. It's gonna be a lot more art than cards, but we'll probably get two or three cards. Yeah, this is when uh, all, a lot of the major speculating happens. Right. As far as like what cards are coming, what oh, what's that art for? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and nine times out of ten, that art is a basic land. <laughs> yep. <sighs> yep. Sure is. And then, uh, in addition, they also announced that. Uh, Ravnica Remastered previews will actually be the following Tuesday on December 12th, also on Weekly MTG. Uh, they don't have like an exact number of previews they're going to do or like an exact percentage of the set, but they said it'll probably come out to about 75 to 80% of the set because they're just going to be opening packs. Like they don't. Oh, like the, okay. they're going to show like a couple of like cycles of stuff that's getting reprinted, but then they're like, yeah, no, we're just we're just gonna crack and packs. Like whatever shows up shows up, uh, and then the rest of it will be uh, spoiled and previewed on Talarian Community College's Shuffle Up and Play uh, series oh, at okay. some point in December. Who knows? Okay. Uh, so like by the end of this calendar year, we should have about ninety nine percent of the set. Sweet. And then I've got some Chicago news. I don't I don't know if you guys have Chicago news. Beep, 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 beep. Breaking news. Yeah. What do you got? I will be at MagicCon Chicago. I will be joining Yeah, the... 100% confirmed. 100% confirmed. Uh, plane booked, tickets bought, hotels in process. Uh, I will be there. So crazy. Like, literally, in the last two weeks, like, every day I've seen someone new from the PDH community commit to going to Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and That's awesome. And finally enough, other people committed that I decided to go. <laughs> yep. Um, almost to that point. Yep. How do you guys feel about the remastered sets? Like, I was a huge, even before it was in paper, like, when they announced Dominaria uh, remastered. Like, I was super stoked for it. I bought a box, like, crack packs, like, bought singles. Like, I love the printing, the old border, the rehashing of the old border was awesome, that sort of thing. How do you guys feel about the Ravnica remastered? I didn't do anything with these, like, remastered sets. Like, I when, mm-hmm. when Time Spiral remastered got announced, I got really excited because I loved Time Spiral. And then oh, it came yeah, and I did went. get a little hype for that one. It it came and went, and I, like, didn't notice. Like, mm-hmm. no one, there wasn't a pre-release. Like, I didn't end up going to the shop when, like, that was the thing that was getting drafted. Like, none of the cards ended up in any of my decks. It was just, like, completely, it was like a non-event to me, like, on accident. Sure. And, like, I guess if, if the price point was lower, I would buy a box and draft with it, because that seems super fun. Like, it seems like a really interesting limited environment, but, like, mm-hmm. I never noticed when they happened. I didn't even know that there was a Dominaria remastered. <laughs> yeah, it came out, uh, like, January of last year. Of, or what of have this you. year. Oh, sorry, yeah, of this yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was just, like, the nostalgia factor. Like, oh, it's Dominaria, you know, like, the whole thing, whatever. But, yeah, I was pretty stoked for that one. But for the Ravnica one, I'm just sort of like, eh, let's just see what they print and see if I get excited about it. What about you, Liam? So... I'm kind of on the flip side of this. Like, I don't have the nostalgia for it. Like, Time's Power Remastered came and went. And I, I bought a box, still have the box. Um, Ooh. Saving it for a rainy day. And Dominator Remastered came about, and I, I wasn't in a position to purchase a box because uh-huh. of my, my master's program. So right. I, I, just, I just didn't get one. Ravnik Remastered coming out, I'm kind of intrigued. Now, when they when they were first doing these remaster sets, 
on on Mitgo, like uh uh what was the one they did? Uh Tempest remastered? Yes, Tempest. Like I, I I don't I don't play Magic Online, so it never affected me. And I, I wasn't playing Magic when that came out. I wasn't playing Magic when Time Star Roblox came out. I wasn't playing Magic during Alpha Beta, like I physically didn't exist. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, Ravnica is probably the one that I have the most, you could say, nostalgia for. Because when when RTR and Gatecrash and Dragon's Maze were on the shelf, I was getting into Magic. They were kind of the newest sets, with Magic 15 being the newest, and, and Cons of Tokyo coming out. And I don't play Arena, but seeing Kaladesh remastered, Shadows of Innistrad remastered, like those sets were great. Like, I, I don't play Arena. I didn't play those sets, but I could just looking at the card sets on Scryfor, I can tell you they were great. Yeah. So now mm-hmm. that they're finally putting them in paper with Time Spiral and Dominaria and Ravnica, I I had to do them. Like, like I did a Time Spiral draft. I did a Dominaria remastered draft. I will probably do one or two Ravnica remastered drafts. I love them. I think that this is kind of the correct iteration of a master set you know they they sure yeah they did modern masters which of of all the master sets they've ever done the modern master and one the modern masters sets feel the most correct like iconic masters masters 25 ultimate masters like like what is this nonsense the (laughs) none of this makes any sense this is all garbage but you look at like modern masters and modern masters 2013 and modern masters 2015 and 2017 like like those were solid sets Mm -hmm. they they literally took the modern metagame and made them draftable environments and reprinted it that was cool these remaster sets are cool they they're taking these these Eras of magic that people either have great nostalgia for, or have absolutely none for, because they weren't around when these weren't things, around, right? right? And exactly. just making them accessible again, and I think that's great. Like now, one of the like one of the catches or one of the gimmicks for Dominaria remastered was the old borders. You get old border printings, blah 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 right. blah. Have they announced any sort of gimmick for Ravnica remastered? Old borders, you know old borders are in Ravnica remastered. So Ravnica remastered oh, okay. will have old borders and borderless. So. Okay. So, okay. like, Shocklands. Uh, regular frame Shocklands with the original artwork, as well as Old Border Shocklands with the original artwork, as well as Borderless oh, Shocklands okay. with the Magic Online exclusive artwork by, uh, I think, Elena Dana, where she did, like, oh, really? the whole cycle of, like, Shocklands and Borderless as, like, a, a promotion for Guilds of Ravnica. Like, that's uh-huh. being printed in paper now. As borderless oh, cards. that's pretty like awesome! That, the, yeah, that's like, pretty awesome. It's insane. Um, so I think I think just a gimmick of remastered is going to be old border because Time Spell did it, Dominary redid it, Ravnica's doing it. I think people really latched on the old border. I don't particularly have a, an attachment to it. I don't really care. Uh-huh. Actually, I prefer not to use it, but I get that some people do that they do prefer that. And I think that remaster sets are honestly just like the perfect iteration of a master set. It's got. It's got uh, nostalgia for all the old players. It allows accessibility to the new players. The draft environments are already solved and, and you know, not necessarily solved is not what I'm looking for, but the, the draft environments are already perfect because right. they come from blocks. <laughs> like, R- right. Like, the, <laughs> exactly. the, the dra- exactly. you know, the, there's no real figuring out they have to do here. I think that 
these remaster sets are going to be a hit for years to come if they keep doing them. Because they've got sure. at least three more that they've... Well, I guess... Hmm. If you want to count Tempest, which has Resolve List cards in it, you, they've got four more. They've got Tempest, Kaladesh, Amonkhet, and Shadows that they could print into paper before they mm-hmm. run out and like have to come up with new ones. Like, yeah. they... These these things are good. I want them to keep doing them. Is is yeah? I was my long winded explanation. Like like these these are amazing yeah. in every facet. Like yeah, I just I I definitely had the the hype and the the nostalgia, uh, you know, pumped up to ten for Dominaria remaster. I'm just not hyped for Ravnica remaster, but I think it's an awesome product. Honestly, the fact that they're priced like the original master sets too, like the seven dollar boosters, like mm-hmm. sign me up for that. Like. Yes, yeah, that's, not that's, that's amazing. All. Like, let's do that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for that this week in Magic. That was a good one. Uh, let's move on to the main topic here. So uh, in our ceaseless exploration of the various archetypes in Pauper Commander, this week we are continuing our fan favorite 3x3 deck building series by taking on a card type that many players dismiss due to its inherent card disadvantage, and that is enchantments. Personally, enchantments are my favorite card type. From control to aggro, heroic to prison locks, these beauties are as flexible as many creatures are, but they're harder to interact with, so that just makes them, like, better. Right, Dave? Like, enchantments yeah. are just better than creatures? Uh, yeah, the math checks out. <laughs> 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 Gotta ask the math, math... What is it this week? Mathmologist? Mathmologist, yeah. Yep, yep, gotta check with them. Uh, we'll start with, uh, as usual, we'll start with a brief introduction to our decks, and then we'll get down to the nitty-gritty details. But first, we cannot have a successful 3x3 without our patent-pending pillars. What do you got, Dave? Uh, so we've we've sort of, like, r- reduced... What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, reduced might be good. Re- reduced is what it's called in cooking, when you boil something down to it's just bare That's exactly elements. what I was thinking of, yep. Sure. We've, we, have, we have reduced... We have rendered... We've rendered the idea of pillars down to the the quintessential bare, fundamental idea of the thing. Yep. And <laughs> pillar one is, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What's the know. plan? What's Liam, <laughs> <laughs> you're a professional. Focus. Come on. <laughs> Focus. Chop chop. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So, like, what's what's the thing? Like, you know, Derek in in Derek's episode, he t- he talked about like what is what is what is this commander asking you to do? What's yes. what's what's the plan? What's the major gimmick? What's going to be happening as you play your deck? Pillar two is going to be how that thing that is happening is going to benefit you. How are you going to 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 extract disproportionate advantage from your deck doing this thing that it would otherwise be doing. Like, if you try to put these cards in this combination in another deck, why is your particular deck going to take advantage of this more than some other deck trying to do the same thing? Yeah. Yep. Pillar 3, as always, how to not die. Pillar 4, how to not run out of gas. Bingo. The two best. Two best. best. Those the two strongest pillars are just not going to change. No, not ever. Awesome, uh, Liam. Do you want to start us out with uh, what commander you're picking this week for enchantments? Sure. What style do, does your deck also have? Like a sub archetype or a specific style uh, you're going for? It does in fact. Thank you for asking. So <laughs> the deck that I have chosen to to bring to this week is none other than the fantastical Graceblade Artisan. So Graceblade Artisan is a 
two three human monk for two and a white, and it gets plus two plus two for each aura attached to it. So as you can see, my commander okay. just just cares about auras, which happen to be enchantments. Uh, <laughs> they they certainly do. They just happen to be right. And yep. in addition, if you were listening carefully, it gets plus two plus two for each aura attached to it. That sounds an an awful lot like a certain kind of deck I'm known for playing. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm, Sounds an I'm... awful lot like didn't didn't we already do this three by three? <laughs> you know, you know, I think we did do this three by three. It might have somebody even recall that it might have been the, the original the, OG, the one that started it all. Uh, yeah. I feel the like one that started all. I feel like that text has 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 happened on a three by three commander before. It gets plus two plus two for each aura attached to it. I don't think Probably, that I don't think that one's white though. I, yeah. I know that whoever it's not it's it's not Graceblade Artisan because it, it's 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 inferior. So we're just gonna we're it, gonna well, does, we're gonna ignore Grace... the old commander that that one of us brought, and we're going to pay attention to this brand new one that's gonna take the spotlight because it's just it's amazing. It's it's better in every way. <laughs> I think Brownie would agree with me. And that just well, means you're wrong, because Brownie's not, always right. Not... So here's the thing. It it can be better in almost every way. There's two okay. axes that it has to work really hard oh. on which to be better. There are zero axes in which it has to one work of, hard to be one better. One of these axes in which it needs to work hard to be better is uh, you need to give it an sure. enchantment to give it vigilance, which is very doable in white. Uh, my I mean, my beautiful baby boy from Legends, my four mana one four, has vigilance Episode 11. I beautiful. said what I said. I'm not here to apologize for this. Uh, we are talking. I, I don't expect you to apologize. I just, I just expect you to understand that you're wrong. No, I will do none of these things. Okay. The other axis in which Grace Blaze Artisan really struggles to to compete with with Rabid Wombat is um, in the Rabid Wombat deck. When you attack, you get to say the words "moving oh, to Wombat." It's hard to compete with that, and you can't do that with a Grace Blade Artisan unless you have. Uh, a rune stalactite or an amorphous axe. You have those in the deck. If you equip them to the the artisan, then you can say moving to wombat, and then you can be a cool kid. But without that, you're just kind of not there. I mean, you could also, you know, what what the wombat can't do is it can't say attacking with grace. I've oh. never wanted to say attacking with grace. <laughs> I I've never wanted so, to say uh, moving to wombat because it makes you sound checkmate. like a toddler. That's that's a lie. Uh, I've never wanted to, wants to say that. Check, checkmate atheists. Uh, the the persecution rest. Anyway, continue telling us about Graceblade Artisan. And well, and Graceblade's a Tarkir commander, so I guess Graceblade that's... is a Tarkir commander. Thank you for noticing that. See how it's already better than this. this what is it? Combat rabid comp. I don't know. All right. Anyway, See, I'm, I'm using artisan. Pillar 4 here to not run out of gas by pouring the gas on the fire. <laughs> Graceblade Artisan is the superior version of this effect, uh, and it is Voltron. My goal is to put as many auras on top of this thing as possible, turn it sideways, smack for lethal. It's pretty straightforward. Beautiful. I like it. I like a good Voltron strategy that uses auras. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean... Who doesn't love being five for one? <laughs> Excellent, uh, Dave. What do you got this week? I am bringing what uh, might be the Yargle. I don't know. We haven't really talked about Yargle. Yeah, we have not. Um, 
I'm bringing what I think of as the weird one among this collection. It's uh, when you think of what am I going to try to accomplish with enchantments? You're probably not thinking of what I'm what I'm doing here. Uh, I'm going to try to kill creatures with enchantments. Uh, yep. I am bringing to the table a uh, a Theros commander by the name of Hateful Eidolon. Theros. Hateful Eidolon is yeah. Who's gonna play commanders from Theros? Me, hateful. The Eidolon. cool people. Um, yeah, the cool kids. <laughs> hateful Eidolon is a mono black, which I again probably not what you're expecting from a enchantment deck. Not mono at black. all. Yeah, this is a mono black one mana, one two with lifelink, and the ability, whenever an enchanted creature dies. Draw a card for each aura you controlled that was attached to it. Such cool text box. Such a cool text box. So this is the kind of text box that lets you play with like removal enchantments, which are historically terrible ways terrible. to do removal. <laughs> yep. Like doing all of your removal at sorcery speed with auras, which are usually kind of overcosted for their effect compared to like an instant. Right. It's hard to like leverage that into like reasonable effectiveness but when every single one of them cantrips you can do it forever yeah like literally they just all have draw a card stapled onto them yeah enfeeblement enchanted creature gets minus two minus two draw a card draw a card <laughs> like okay dead weight uh, draw a card dead weight enchanted creature gets minus two minus two draw a card <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna bolt so many birds yep like as soon as, soon as someone plays a three three you're like oh no <laughs> well i'm it that's uh, it for me that's it for me i can't uh can't kill that get some hellbent but all of the, all of the bears all the birds they're going down yeah forget about it yeah she hates wildlife she hates everything she hates she does she is very hateful that's right in the name she hates your creatures specifically specifically yep Oh, awesome! What's, I guess that's what I'm bringing. What do you What do you got for us, Brad? What do I got? I got some Azorius action going on, and despite being Azorius, I'm not going to debate with anyone at how awesome this is. This is a commander that um, I've actually been looking at on and off for quite a while. Honestly, it's um, sort of a draw engine in of itself. Not not quite as powerful as Hateful Eidolon, uh, but it's very intriguing anyway. And that is Azorius Aether Mage from Dissension from way back in the day. It's a generic, a white, and a blue for a 1-1 human wizard. And it says, whenever a permanent, not permanent card, as I learned in the pre-show, uh, whenever a permanent is returned to your hand, you may pay one. If you do, draw a card. Nice, clean, simple, efficient. So I'm, like I'm sort of... Mm, like if I squint and look sideways, I'm sort of on the same game plan as Dave. Like a lot of the auras slash enchantments that I'm running are going to affect my opponents. I just have to work a little harder at drawing that card off of them. But that's the plan. Play a bunch of enchantments, play some things that bounce them back to my hand, draw cards, uh, and slowly um, slowly beat face, I guess, with a little bitty uh, weenie creatures. But it's Azorius, I so love that. it's fun. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not uh, opposed to it at all. Actually, this was... For most of the three, I don't know how you guys are, but for most of the three by three episodes we do, it's pretty rare. Like, I love theorizing them. I love the three by three episodes. I love building the decks, leaving them in Moxfield, all that kind of good stuff. But it's pretty rare that I actually turn around and then build the deck in paper. I did that with uh, Greta, and I think 
a couple of the three by three episodes, I brought decks that I already had built. So I don't think I've done it from scratch or, or based off the episode too often, but this one's actually pretty intriguing. I'm going to give it a couple Moxfield play tests on stream somewhere and uh, see if I want to throw it together in paper because it is pretty entertaining. It's kind of hilarious. So looking forward I to playing it. was really fascinated when I saw your deck. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's You're playing with a commander that I've seen before and known about for a long time, but uh -huh. you're playing along axes that I've never considered. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, it's, and, and maybe that's why I, I'm interested in building it in paper because I don't usually, um, I'm not known for taking the, the, the path less traveled, the axis less traveled. So that's, uh, it was sort of like a learning experience to build this deck for me. And, and not really like a learning experience as much as like, um, different neurons were connecting when I built this deck, you know, different things were learned, uh, with my searching and my deck building and all that sort of stuff. So it was pretty exciting putting this one together. Yeah. All right. I think it's time to hop into those pillars. What do you think? Let's oh, do it. I'm who's the Yargle? Are we, are we Yargling? Oh, I, to me, it feels like the Eidolon, but, uh, I'm willing to be talked out of it. Like, it's very possible that I only think that because I love Yargles and I'm like, kind of stretching it in my brain to, to to claim something that might not be mine. So if you guys feel free to talk me out of it if you think I'm not the Argo. No, I, I think you're totally right. Like if you had brought a more traditional uh, enchantment or aura deck, I'd say probably the Aether Mage. But when you introduced your deck, you said it perfectly. You're like, mono black is not what you think of when you want to build an enchantment matters deck. On top of that, yeah. putting those enchantments on your opponent's creatures is definitely not something you think of in a mono-black deck. Like, everything about the aspects of this deck, I think of the three, definitely make it the Yargle for me anyway. All right. Perfecto. All right, let's hop into the uh, world famous now, globally famous in 32 countries. Let's hop into some pillars. Hell yeah. Yeah. Let's start. Let's go back to Liam. Liam? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? What is Graceblade Artisan doing? What is Graceblade Artisan doing? That's an excellent question. Graceblade Artisan is looking to put, well, auras onto the commander. Uh, the whole goal of the deck is to pump up the commander as quickly as possible uh, and swing for lethal. The deck typically is going to get the commander out on turn three. Uh, it is a three-mana commander. There's not a whole lot of turn one ramping you can do in mono-white at common right? <laughs> to, to get it out on turn two. So it it does come down on turn three. Uh, but what you can do is is prepare for its arrival. So while you can't put... I like that. While, while you can't put any auras on the field, you could put down a cheaper creature that helps protect the commander in some way. Uh, you could put down a cheaper creature... That is just going to be like a chump blocker or something like a Cathar's Commando that, that like threatens removal. Uh, you could put right. down one of the two artifacts in the deck, which are Leather Armor and Vorak Battlehorns. Because the, the deck is in Enchantment Voltron, but these are just two effects that can't be replicated by enchantments yet. So they're yeah. in the deck because they are, they are very relevant to helping protect the commander early and also helping to push the commander through late game. You could also yep. use removal in the early game to kind of just get rid of an early blocker, so that way the Graceblade is free to attack on turn 4. And I've seen it happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, been, I've been bashed by it before on turn 4. Turn 4, 6 damage, turn 5, yep. 8 damage, you're dead. <laughs> like, yep. 
it's it's yeah it just adds up so quick because it's not like you know most mono white enchantments already buff the power yep and you're getting another two on top of that yep. so yeah so it ends up being very powerful so it's actually fascinating you mentioned that so so when i was building the deck i actually prioritized in auras that didn't necessarily give buffs but just had some mm-hmm. kind of uh alternate effect like uh chains of custody being a removal or uh oh gosh trying to think of any of the others that are the deck uh i think kithkin armor gives it like unblockable but doesn't actually give a power toughness boost like i prioritize some of that stuff because the thought process was grace blade makes them give plus two plus two so i want to prioritize yep. all these other effects that are one or two mana prioritizing cheap auras that way on turn five i could drop two or three of them onto the commander now th- there are some one mana plus one plus one two mana plus two plus one or something like that in the deck because I needed to fill out slots. But sure. when, when when looking at some of the card choices, some people might be curious, like, why is this one included over something that actually gives a power buff? Well, it's because all of the auras have a secret text that says plus two, plus two. Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, just my experience with playing Mono White is you could find an aura that gives it plus lethal damage, plus O. Yeah. But Mono White can't trample. Correct. You know, you got to give it some sort of evasion instead. Mm-hmm. And so I, I prioritized a lot of the flying auras because that's something that mono white does very well uh in addition some of the so, so, some of the cards are prioritized by art choice <laughs> because i <laughs> fair, got down to like totally the last fair. like six slots and i was like you know these three you know these six cards are, are actually good but these six cards have better artwork so some of it came down to that but uh you know it, it very much is like prioritizing kind of cheap auras that also have uh, some kind of evasion or some kind of secondary effect that that helps move the game plan forward. Sure. And I noticed your your list is running uh, Legends All-Star Remove Enchantments. I'm also in white, but this is not in my deck because I still don't understand it. <laughs> uh, I don't entirely <laughs> understand it either. I'll be... Even the Oracle text in Scryfall isn't much clearer. A little bit. Right, but... right. All I know is that I cast this and all the auras that are on the Graceblade go back to my hand. See that would that would probably be good in Aether Mage. Like uh, if I could pay one to cast this and five to draw five cards or whatever. Yeah, like this, that seems good. This is basically just kind of like a one mana break glass in case of emergency. You know, my com- like my commando is going to be six for one by a murder, right. <laughs> and like I've exhausted all other routes. Like this is. This is how I make sure I don't get six for one. Yeah, but you're trying it, to uh, avoid that inherent disadvantage. Right, right. It's it's an interesting yep. card. I, I don't entirely know exactly what it does. I just know it was explained to me as it saves all of your enchantments from dying. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. I'm going to perfect. Pre- I, I'm going to pretend I know what this does. <laughs> Dave, what are you doing? Yeah. I am killing things. Oh. Sweet. Dope. That is the best amount of black answer I've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, so when the plan is twofold, partly I'm going to be killing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about, you know, the, the dead weight, the enfeeblement, the, you know, Myers grasp, whatever. Right. All of these like traditionally really awful aura removal spells in black because they now can trip. I'm going to be playing a lot of those and I'm going to be using them to kill everything I see. Because I only get the draw when things die. Yes. The other part of the plan is I, I also draw cards when my own enchanted creatures die. Right. It's just a creature and, as long as you own that aura. Yes. 
However, whatever auras you had attached to the creature, any creature dies, you draw that many cards. So I very when I was first putting this deck together, I very briefly considered trying to do Voltron stuff. Because the commander has lifelink as well. If you make her huge, then you gain life. But that's a terrible plan. And no one likes gaining and, life. And it's one mana. Like, that's so good. Yeah. It's not like some five-mana commander with that same text box. It's just one mana. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if she dies... Like, I get to draw a lot of cards, and uh, then I recast her for three. Exactly. Which is pretty great. <laughs> it is pretty great. Um, so the thing I wanted to do, instead of piling a bunch of Voltron auras onto the thing that is also my card draw engine, mm-hmm. and then getting blown out by a an unsummon, <laughs> uh, or an Aether Spellbomb, sure. I decided that I, I, I really wanted this deck to be a much more distributed threat. So I added a bunch of really tiny, stupid utility creatures. Things mm-hmm. like Cadaver Imp that come into play and they give me their value immediately in the form of putting a card in my hand. Right. And then they're just a body hanging out. Or like Liliana's Spectre, Burglar Rats, Dusk Legion Zealot, Grim Guardian. Uh, these like things that are just going to do little like incremental life drain things, card draw, make your opponent discard. Stuff that just has utility and then has a body attached also. Yep. I love them because they are quintessentially expendable. Yeah, so they are perfect mono-black creatures. If you if you play them and you get the value out of them, then you can play your, you know, demonic vigor or your infernal scarring. These these really like kind of honestly very bad uh, <laughs> black like Voltronish enchantments, uh-huh. cheap just cheap black auras to make them just enough of a threat to be really irritating that they have to be dealt and, with. Yeah, yeah, like Liliana Spectre with Demonic Vigor is a three power flyer, and yep. like whatever whatever you have, you think you're going to block it. I'm going to kill it with Enfeeble. Yep. And then you're just going to take three in the air until you spend a removal spell to kill my enchanted Liliana Spectre. And, like, you think you're two for wanting me, but the Spectre already took a card out of your hand. Uh, it's taken a second card out of your hand with this removal spell. It's done three damage once or twice, maybe? Sure. And then I draw a card when it dies because of Hateful Eidolon. Well, so like, and if it's Infernal Scarring that's on there, you draw a card off Infernal you Scarring. You another card, <laughs> right? Like, you didn't just two for one me. You got, like, three for one. Yep. And I'm really okay with that. Super like, okay with that. If you if you deal with this irritation, I win. If you don't <laughs> deal with this irritation, I still win. I probably still win. Like, yeah, it's weird. that's it's weird how that's that works. the goal of this deck. It's <laughs> it's half it's half really irritating aura based removal that are all terrible cards, and it's half really irritating utility creatures with really irritating little tiny black bad Voltron cards that are also all terrible. Yep. And I love that the Hateful Eidolon just brings that together into something that's functional. Fills me with joy. Yeah, it definitely feels like one of those decks that is greater than the sum of its little weenie cards. Absolutely. Because yeah, if you look through like, the list, it's very like, oh, this was good and limited, and oh, that creature was cool and limited. Like These are all sort of like meh in our format, but when you pile them all together like that, it's just sort of like an onslaught of <laughs> removal and yep. card advantage for you and everything else. Yeah. I, I, I think I slipped into pillar two a little bit there. Cause you know, the pillar two is, you know, what, what is the benefit that I'm getting yeah. out of this pile of cards? That if, if you put this pile of cards with another commander and tried to make it function, like what is, what is your commander going to do better 
than than any other any other pilot at the helm of this thing. Right. And like that's that's what the hateful Eidolon does. It just brings all of this together in a, just this really goofy way. It to is make it all coherent in a way that other commanders can't do yeah and i love that about this deck like there was there was a very brief period where i was like oh it's a control deck like it's it's super oppressive it's no fun allowed i should take it apart and then i actually like looked at the cards and i was like no way is yoke of the damned oppressive <laughs> like funeral march are you kidding like right. this, this is the opposite of oppressive this is goofy like there's like, a couple in works... here that i had to look up like i had never <laughs> yeah. i had never heard of yoke of the damned like what is yoke happening of here the damned. yeah yeah it's good <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah, but that's uh, that's the plan. That's what I'm doing. Uh, it's it's a lot of removal auras, and it's a lot of just goofy auras. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, last uh, pillar one is for me. I'll keep it kind of short. When I was thinking about this episode, like enchantments are my thing. I love enchantments. I love auras, all that kind of stuff. And I didn't know which route I wanted to go. Like literally, I spent a few days trying to think of a, a deck or a color pairing that I wanted to use you know I started with oh I'll just build Sphinx of the Guild Pact and I'll make five color auras and I I honestly thought I got like probably 70% of the way through and I'm like eh this is really generic it's literally just like since you have all five colors it's just the best of the best colors it's going to end up being another mid-range pile that has more enchantments and auras than your normal mid-range pile so I kind of gave up on that one and then I thought, you know, oh, maybe I'll do Sultai because it's got green. That's Ancestral Mask. And it's got, um, or not Sultai, but Abzan because then I'd have Armadillo Cloak. And I've had Rancor and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, that's still kind of generic too, you know. Like, I don't want to, I wasn't specifically, like, trying to go for the Yargle Award in this episode. But I didn't just want to be like, yeah, it's uh, Rancor and Armadillo Cloak. And you put it on a big creature and you win. You know, like, that was going to be pretty much yeah. every pillar. You know, I didn't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. So I just dug and dug and looked around and this one and Aether Mage popped up and basically, you know, this deck just wants to use all the enchantments as a way to gain a bit of uh, board state advantage and card advantage because it, it itself can draw cards um, and tempo just like I said earlier, as as I chip away at life totals with, with combat damage, like a lot of the enchantments as we'll get into later. Uh, tap down creatures, they pacify creatures, that sort of thing. So it makes my my little weenie weenie guys, you know, it makes them evasive or makes helps them get in easier. Uh, a lot of the creatures I have in here though are built uh, with good ETBs that bounce a permanent when they come into play, and a handful of the enchantments I'm using can return themselves to your hand for cheap. And there might be one that can return for free. I may have taken those out because of confusion um, but really though you pair all that with aether mage's ability to draw cards and you kind of got a stew going baby you know what i'm saying like it seems good mm-hmm. it seems good and it doesn't seem mm, super oppressive because i still need to play it out to where i have the one mana to spend to draw a card you know it's not guaranteed this constant card advantage you know it's not if you know, if I'm not drawing right and I'm not hitting my enchantments, like I'm not going to kill you with a core skyfisher, you know, or a spirited companion. Like it's not always going to be this like oppressive, you know, prison style aura enchantment deck. So, um, I, I like that. It seems like it's going to perform, like you said, on a different axis than you would normally sort of, um, expect yeah. from this commander. 
Yeah, that's. I think that's what intrigues me about it is that it's it's the kind of thing where you look at it and you're like, I was not expecting this. Yeah, and I think that's why I've never really spent the time to build this commander into a deck. Cause I didn't know what to do with it, and I was like, Ah, oh, well, mm-hmm. I've got OG and I've got this blue, you know, blue, uh, Azorius deck and this blue white deck and whatever. I can, I'll just forget about it. And then I discovered it again, looking to build the deck for this episode. And I think I was like, That's perfect. I think like. It's auras and enchantments, which I love. It's drawing cards, which I love. And it's this commander that, you know, I've been putting off building for 18 months or whatever. So it sort of all came together. I'm pretty stoked about it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's uh, swing it back around to Pillar 2. Uh, Liam, what do you got? Yeah, so for Pillar 2, uh, the payoff is is actually a pretty simple one. You've probably heard about it before. <laughs> this payoff is actually baked into the rules of the game. Uh, and it's colloquially known as the combat phase. So, oh. yeah, it's the the, the wombat phase. Wait, no, no, what? no, 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 no. The, the combat phase. Combat. Okay. If I'm we not, need, I'm not getting it. I I, <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but if you need if you need to work on your phonics, Dave and I are not the teachers for the job. Ah, we're, okay. We're maths and technology teachers. We're not. We're, we're not English. linguistics. No, no, yep. no, no. You're making fun of my accent. Um, <laughs> you don't have an accent. Sorry. Are you making fun of my lack of an accent? Yes. I could have an accent. I, I am, in fact, making fun of your lack of an accent. For many years, I lived way up there in the north. Don't you know, you betcha. What is... I was thinking about this the other day. What is that accent called? Is it? Does it have a name, or is it just I like... Call it, I call it the Uper accent. Wisconsin. It's also Wisconsin. It's, uh, it's very closely associated with uh, Kanakistan, also known as Canada, also known Canada. as uh, Canada. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I feel like... I feel like Static X, the band Static X, right? I feel I like they are from don't don't know who these people are. North of the like Wisconsin area, maybe they're not. They have a song called Wisconsin Death Trip, but there's a couple songs where he hits a specific consonant or vowel, and he has that accent. Like it comes through really huh. loud and clear, and I thought that's kind of funny. So I think the accent is actually named after the movie Fargo. Okay, cool. I just made that up. That seems very plausible. <laughs> no, I like it. You delivered it with con- with confidence. So. Yeah, <laughs> that makes it true. Oh, absolutely. That's what yeah. I. One thing I learned from a manager when I was uh, getting a job as a waiter, he said the two best things you can do is walk with your chin perpendicular to the ground. It shows confidence, and everything you say, deliver it with confidence, even if it's wrong. I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right. That sounds that sounds correct. I like that. It's worked like out so day. far. Yeah, good. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, I went off on another tangent. Sorry, Liam. <laughs> it's all right. And then. Something, something, once, rabbit holes. Yeah. <sighs> once, once you enter that infamous combat phase, it's pretty simple from there. You turn your cards ninety degrees to the right, and mm-hmm. you attack Dave's. And face. that is, that's important. To the right, not to the left. To the right. They it's go gotta, to the right. And it's it's got to it's got to be and Dave it's got to go well. to Dave. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's like the you can't send the it hidden, anywhere else. The hidden rules text yes. on the on the commander. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dave Dave will get sad if you attack other players. <laughs> it's true. That is true. I've seen it happen. Yeah. Sweet. Pretty straightforward. Uh, I know, Dave, you touched on your Pillar 2 a little bit earlier, but what do you got for us? Yeah, um, the the big part of the Pillar 2 is just, you know, the thing that is going to benefit this deck compared to any other deck trying to play this pile of garbage is that uh, all <laughs> of garbage is cantrips. Uh-huh. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna get rewarded for playing the garbage by drawing cards. So I'm gonna draw into more garbage, and then I'm gonna play that as well. And it's just like. This is one of those decks where you're just going to get to play more magic than other people at the table. That's <laughs> like, a really good way to gonna, put it. Yeah. 
Like, you're going to be doing things. You're going to be doing so many different things, and other people are going to be doing less things, and that makes you the winner. Uh, <laughs> not of the game, perhaps, like, according to the rules, but, like, emotionally. Emot morally, you get to win yeah. your games. Spiritually. Yeah, yeah it's going to do that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get a lot of value out of its stupid utility creatures that are super expendable and can just die as many times as you need them to without you caring about them. Yep. It's going to do a little bit of life drain. Mm-hmm. I did see a Gary in, the form. in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gary's actually gone. Oh. 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 Gary's in the cut me pile. Gary's in the process of being cut for like Wicked Visitor, mm, okay. which is the kind of life drain that I want to be on. Uh -huh. The the whenever enchantment you control is put into the graveyard, each opponent loses one life. Uh, see, that's, that's that's dope. That's the life gain I want. Gary is boring life gain. No one even likes Gary. Um, <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Like I've I've never I've never used Gary and afterwards been like I feel good about yeah. that. I'm always like, man, like, this card. Just I sure won. I feel bad. But, uh, yeah, at what cost? <laughs> at what cost? Yep. See, in that bag yeah, that, I, that Gary carries over his shoulder is all the souls of the players that have won with him. It's not gold coins. Yeah. it's souls. Yeah, you, you. It's the price is steeper than you think. Uh -huh. Yeah. The, so I'm gonna get value out of the utility creatures. I'm gonna get value out of the awful enchantments. Uh, <laughs> Other like big payoff I have is uh, has nothing to do with enchantments at all. It's just that in a in a deck that it is this kind of like grindy and controlling, the ultimate goal of the deck. If if you want to win more than the moral victory, if you want to win the actual game as well, then you will need to eventually like stall out the game and get it to, into this kind of grindy slog long enough that everyone's life totals get low enough that you can end the game with a pestilence or a crypt rats. Or you can cast Evan Carr's Justice a few times. Mm -hmm. Corrupt, drain life, consume spirit. I love Just corrupt. Just ways you can be like, whoops, it's turn nine. Uh, take eight damage to the face from corrupt. Like, I'll <laughs> Sorry. gain eight life. That's a solid third of your life. Yep. Good night. It's got yeah, o OG, uh, OG drain life in it. That's tight. I like OG it. drain life, yeah. I don't know if this is accurate to the actual printings that are in the deck. Sure, I sure, sure, sure. Default. Yeah, that's uh, that's the plan. You're gonna kill creatures, draw cards for your troubles. You're gonna put awkward auras on your awkward creatures, and when they <laughs> die, you'll draw more cards for your troubles. You'll you'll draw more awkward cards. Yeah, that's great. Yep, I'm a big fan. And then uh, hopefully turn it into a win or not. Or not. <laughs> either, either's fine. Either, either's fine. You do you. Yeah, whatever you want. Yep. Oh, all right, sweet. Uh, my pillar two, what we got here? There's like, like we've already mentioned, you know, there's really nothing in Aether Mage's text box that tells you it wants to care about enchantments. Like the words aren't on there anywhere. Uh, but that's what I like about it. I think when we had uh, Ryan Papa Popper on for the mid range episode, he said it was Commander Agnostic. Is that correct? Like my deck doesn't really care if the commander's on the field sometimes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, when we picked this three by three topic, uh, I, I, I honestly, you know, I talked about Abzan earlier and different, you know, green this and five color that. But really, like when I set out to build this deck, uh, I wanted to build a deck that used and tries to abuse Reality Acid, the card Reality Acid. <laughs> it's one of my pet cards, you know, and for anybody, any listeners that don't know what it is, it's an enchantment aura. It's too generic in a blue, and it's an enchant permanent. So you can put it on any permanent on the battlefield. Um, and it has vanishing three. 
So when it enters the battlefield with three time counters on it at the beginning of your upkeep, remove a time counter from it. When the last uh, time counter is removed, you sacrifice reality acid. And then the very last line of text says, when reality acid leaves the battlefield, enchanted permanence controller sacrifices it. So you're like, okay, it costs three, and then I got to wait three turns or whatever. That's not really how it works out, because you cast reality acid on literally whatever you want, and then you bounce it back to your hand with a core sky fisher or something like that. So you just start wiping their board, destroying their lands, like literally blowing up whatever you want to blow up, and I love it. It's the card I wanted to use. It's the card I wanted to build around. So I did a little bit of digging on Scryfall, and... I used to play a lot of Reality Acid in my 60-card pauper days, and so those two things combined sort of helped me find a bunch of ways to bounce Reality Acid back to my hand. Like I mentioned, Core Skyfisher is there, Aviary Mechanic is there, Dreamstalker, that's like a staple in Reality Acid decks. Um, they were the first ones that came to mind. And then, you know, as I was looking at this specific group of cards, I went further down this bounce an enchantment to my hand sort of rabbit hole and that's where i found that there are actually a ton of enchantments and auras that can be bounced back to my hand whether it's via another creature et being or they have their own ability that brings it back to my hand and i can replay them for value or they're a sweet target for a flicker of fate or scroll shift you know like it's pretty fun to put reality acid on one of your opponent's permanents and then flicker of fate it like, you can flicker a fade it and have Reality Acid come back in attached to their Slippery Boggle. That's okay. That's fine. You know, it gets around Hexproof. It gets around all these crazy things. And, like, every time you flicker it, it just destroys whatever it was attached to. So It's so much fun. It's It really is. It is so much fun. And it's... I don't know why, but it feels more wholesome than it sounds. I, I don't know how to explain it, but... Yeah, It was one of my favorite decks to play, and it rarely won. It's super slow. It's got to all sort of come together at the right time and stuff like that, but uh, super fun. I love the card. There are two main payoffs for what I'm trying to do here. There's the lockdown and the beat up. And with the lockdown payoff, I'm trying to use auras like uh, detainment spell, which uh, let me move this over here right quick. So like detainment spell is... Uh, single white mana, enchant creature, enchanted creatures, activated abilities can't be played. And then for a white and a generic, you can attach detainment spell to target creatures. So you can move it around and around as the threats you know present themselves, which I like quite a bit. Seems fun. Planar Disruption's a uh, more recent one that we got. It's the uh, two mana. You can enchant artifact creature or planeswalker. Can't attack or block, and it's activated. The abilities can't be activated. Super powerful for two mana. It's awesome. Uh, and then, you know, stuff like... Uh, Reprobation, I might take that out in lieu of something else. I'm not totally sure yet. Uh, Spectral Grasp, we just got as a downshift. Huge, you know, Enchanted Creature can't attack you or Planeswalkers you control. Enchanted Creature can't block creatures you control. Like, that's really powerful. It's a very good downshift. I like that quite a bit. Uh, Curse of Chains, I've always been a fan of. I'm not sure how good it'll be in this deck, but basically it's a two-mana aura that at the beginning of each upkeep, you tap the Enchanted Creature. We'll just kind of see how that plays out, but that's what some of these auras in this deck are trying to do. They're either trying to tap you down or keep you from attacking and or blocking, which is kind of what you know Azorius wants to do anyway. So stuff like that, Stasis Field is included. This is the uh, the one that turns it into an O2 with Defender and loses all other abilities for those problematic commanders, that sort of thing. And then obviously Reality Acid. So 
Uh, I think I have about 30 total enchantments in here. So I went ahead, and I think at the last minute I added uh, Rhyme for a Reindeer from Wild of Eldraine. Oh, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah, when, it, when an, an enchantment ETBs under your control, you tap target creature an opponent controls. It doesn't, like, stun them. You know, it doesn't tap them for the next turn or anything, but that can come in really handy when you're trying to swing with the, you know, <laughs> a freaking, I don't know, spirit of companion with all that glitters on it or something like that. So uh, it seems like it'd be pretty cool. Definitely going to play to see how that uh, works out. And then for the other half of this payoff pillar, the beat up portion, my plan is basically turn the corner after I'm happy or after I'm sort of satisfied with where the board state is and then just start beating face either with my commander to hopefully end the game quicker via commander damage Honestly, really any creature, if I have, if I've planned it right, any of my creatures will be able to get in for huge amounts of damage with ethereal armor, all that glitters, that sort of thing. Steel of the Godhead is one of my favorite auras of all time. It's the uh, two and a generic Azorius mana. Uh, enchant creature, as long as the creature's white, it gets plus one, plus one in lifelink. As long as it's blue, it gets plus one, plus one and unblockable. Like That's crazy powerful in a deck like this, and I love it. I love it big time. Uh, I do have a few. In- is that- oh, go ahead. Is that for the Aether Mage? Yeah, the, uh, ideally, yeah. Because ideally, oh, you know, it'd be Aether Mage with Steel of the Godhead, all that glitters, yada, yada, yada. That's, that's game over. Yeah, I do have Liev Sky Knight in here, which is a gold or blue and white card. And I also have Silver Drake, which when it ETBs, you bounce a white or blue creature. So there's a couple options, yeah. But yeah, ideally, it would be on the Aether Mage itself. And then, you, like it. you know, it, it, even too, like something like Sword Coast Serpent is particularly a really good with any of these powerful enchantments on it because it's just going to be unblockable. Like even when, like you cast an all that glitters targeting the uh, Sword Coast Serpent and it's going to be unblockable because of the spell you just cast and then you swing for 19 damage or whatever, like some crazy amount. So seems super fun. I always like to, um, it's usually... Sword Coast Serpent and or Talarian Terror that go in any of my Blue X decks just sort of as finishers, and it always mm-hmm. works out nicely, so a uh, big fan of that. And then finally for Pillar 2, I have a few enchantments in this deck that can grant an evasion. Uh, I think we talked about taking Launch out of here. Yeah, Launch is gone, so, so if you're reading the show notes, uh, you forget about that one. Uh, Zephyr Charge, I'm actually a really big fan of. It's a two-mana... I, I didn't know this card until Abby played it against me uh, about a year ago, I think. It's a two-mana enchantment, and uh, it's a generic and a blue. And then for a generic and a blue, you can tap... Or target creature gains flying until the end of turn. You can do that as many times as you want, and it can be any creature on the battlefield. It doesn't have to be your own. So if you want to... You know, get one of your opponent's creatures in, or whatever. You know, you can mess with uh, combat any way you like, as long as you have um, the mana up. You can do it as many times as you like. Yep. Uh, Wind Zendikon. I think I decided to take that one out. It's not going to work the way I wanted. But things like, where'd it go here? Shimmering Wings. The single blue mana for an aura. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature has flying, which is nice because that, that's going to go with my beat up plan. But for a single blue, you can return it to your hand. So basically, this has. You know, enchanted creature has flying, and then for a blue and a generic, return shimmering wings to your hand and draw a card. Like, that's not quite hateful idol on levels, but I'm I'm pretty happy with that with that rate. 
and you know there's just a ton of enchantments in this deck that do that exact sort of thing so I'm a big fan of it and i'm hoping that i won't need a lot of this evasion because my curses of chains and my spectral grasps and that sort of thing should clear the way for my uh my attackers I like but it. i guess we'll find out that's my pillar too yeah 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 uh, where are we at here? Moving on to pillar number three. Liam, how does Mono White Voltron stay alive? Yeah, so staying alive is actually a little bit tricky, uh, especially because <laughs> enchantments and, and especially auras are known for being easily X for one, meaning that the, yep. the strategy quickly folds to just a single removal spell. Mm -hmm. uh, so the way to make sure that we we don't die in this deck is to prevent that as much as possible. Uh because card velocity in mono white is also pretty lacking, which means it's going to be like super hard to rebuild when that does happen. So because of this, the deck utilizes uh, a bunch of different types of protection for the commander uh, in both the form of instance and and literal protection mechanic auras. Uh, so, some, sure. so some cards that are included in the deck are remove enchantments to save a bunch of auras as like a, a last resort, leather armor which I, I discussed earlier in the show. Benevolent Blessing, Tremana's Blessing, Mask of Law and Grace, uh, all these enchantments provide some form of protection. And then when it comes to like instance, Emerge Unscathed, Lauren's Escape, Blacksmith Skill, all, all that kind of stuff where you give indestructible or protection as an instant to, to make sure that the commander just doesn't die to basically damage. <laughs> basically damage. Yeah. And, and in a pinch, these protection spells can be used as unblockable. So that's that's pretty useful to push yeah, through sure. that, that last bit of damage. And then alternatively, if you're not drawing those spells, there's a couple of other things in the deck where the deck can can protect the actual player rather than the commander through a series of like utility chump blockers uh, and the, the infamous mono white fogs. <laughs> so utility chump blockers look like Benevolent Bodyguard, uh, Cathar Commando, Thraben Inspector, Auromancer, things that uh, either do something on the field or like enter the battlefield and do something. And then after that, they're just a body to, to use to block the biggest thing. And then when it comes to like the mono white fogs, you have Kami, you have Dontron, Prismatic Strands, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I love these cards. I, I know many people do not love these cards, <laughs> but these, these yeah, I've I've lost two Prismatic Strands. I think twice in the last month. It does not feel great, yeah. but I play it in every white deck. <laughs> I mean, it it it's very useful for strategies like this where you can ensure that you don't die to the crackback. Mm -hmm. You just yeah. have to know when to use them. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's 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 how this deck is uh, not dying. Yeah, I, I I love a good Voltron list. Like even even in sixty card popper, I played Voltron. Like I just love you know <laughs> putting pants on them and sending them to school. Like that's one of my favorite things to do with a creature. So, uh, and I've seen your Graceblade Artisan in action. Like I've played against it, and it is if it's not dealt with or answered right away, it can get out of hand pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. All right, Mister Alcadron. Uh, how are you not dying? So the, the the fascinating thing about the how to not die pillar is that it's sort of our uh, stand-in, usually in most cases, it's our like stand-in for the name of uh, how we're going to do control things, how we're going to interrupt sure. our opponent's strategies, disrupt what they're trying to mm -hmm. do, make sure we don't get attacked to death, make sure that no one executes a combo, make sure that whatever key piece they have in play is something that you can deal with. And this deck is nothing but control. It's gonna kill a lot of creatures, <laughs> and it's gonna it's gonna do the weirdest stuff doing it. Time of night, funeral march, yoke of the damned got mentioned. Yeah, lingering decay 
is another just goofy one. Yeah, uh, there's like lingering, de- lingering, death. lingering death. That's the one. Just a pile of really bad creature removal, which I am in love with. And uh, and they're so funny too. Like a lot of these are from, you know, magic. You know, from a generation ago. Like they're just the art's kind of funny, the templating's kind of funny. Like the effects we don't really see anymore. Just like lingering death. You yeah. know, the you put it on the creature, and the controller of enchanted creature sacrifices it at the end of his or her turn. Like that, we don't see that very often. So this stuff is super like entertaining. To yeah. Me. Like my my favorite part about this is that all of these cards are like objectively terrible and it's really difficult to find a home for them somewhere where they like really fit and belong and are like usefully contributing to the deck and not just like Uh this is my nostalgia pile it's got all the goofy nonsense i like (laughs) but the deck is bad like this these cards are legitimately interesting and powerful in this deck and i love that about it like they right i think that's specifically your enchantment suite mm-hmm. you know the 36 enchantments or whatever that are in the link here i think this is what sort of like in like you just said this is sort of what was the impetus for creating commander formats yeah you know, it's what embodies like pdh and commander and all these other variants is because you get to play with these cards that no one's ever seen before or they've completely forgotten about and yeah 99 percent of decks they're going to be god awful in but in this one deck they're freaking awesome yeah yeah, you get to. And that's so. You cool. get to play with despondency. I, I really love right? the decks that take advantage <laughs> of like a suite of cards that are in every single Magic set that just don't see play outside of draft and just just make them useful like this. this yeah, it's just like one of my favorite things. Yeah, and you found a home for Necromancer's Mage Mark. Like, yeah, hello. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I love the Mage Mark. Yeah, yeah. Like the other like really really fun control element that I need to mention here is um. There are a couple cards in this deck. Uh, Shades Form, Unhallowed Pact, and Unholy Indenture. The whole cards are amazing. Each of these cards has the text, when Enchanted Creature dies, return that card to the battlefield under your control. Yep. And each of those cards also has the text, Enchant Creature, not (laughs) Enchant Creature you control. Correct. So... They are. Uh, they perform very well in Cormella. If you so. put these cards very on your opponent's creature, and then you cast, I don't know, Meyer's Grasp or Phyrexian Boon or Quag Sickness on <laughs> on them uh, to kill that creature, not only do you draw two cards because it died with two auras on it, you also uh-huh. get their creature. Yep. Which is really fun. Yeah. This is, Anna, which is seems awesome. Broken. This is how we're going to not die. Yeah. Uh, doesn't work on commanders. Those Correct. those go to the command zone instead of coming to you. One of the first, maybe not one of the first, but when I very first started streaming, I made that mistake. I had It, w- it was Unholy Indenture, mm-hmm. and I tried to put it on a commander, mm-hmm. and it died. And I was like, cool, get me. And they were like, no. no. <laughs> Just going to put it in my command zone? I'm like, oh, no, you got me. I, so, yeah. I would have told you that. As you chose your targets for the spell, <laughs> not. I think they did, and I was like, "No, I need to learn." Yeah, oh, it's a teaching moment. Okay, like, let okay. me just do it. But yeah, sure. so. yeah, that's how I'm gonna not die. Is the I don't know, thirty-seven removal spells in the deck. <laughs> thirty-seven re- removal slash cantrips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems good. How are you, how are you gonna not die? Well, 
Let's find out. Uh, as I stated in my previous pillar, by locking down my opponent's creatures, that's pretty much how I'm trying to stay alive. Like, because I don't have a lot of bodies. I think I have total... I have 24 creatures in the deck, but none of them are very huge. They're all strictly there for their power. So if they go up against any sort of trampling creature, I'm pretty much just done for. Uh, sure, you know, I have a little bit of life gain in here with, like, Spirit Link or whatever. Uh, but that's mainly to keep a huge opposing beater off my back while I try to do my thing. And aside from the enchantments I'm running to shut down attackers, I put in a little suite of interaction in the form of things like Curfew, which will, can also draw me cards because it's putting permanence back in my hand, which is cool. Uh, Geist Wave. Uh, this is one. The next one is one that I sort of forgot about, and it's called Hubris. And it's two mana. It's a generic and a blue for an instant. Return target creature <clears throat> and all auras attached to it to their owner's hands. So that can be a removal spell or a bounce spell on one of my opponent's creatures. Or if I have a huge pantsed up commander and it's in trouble, I can just bounce everything back to my hand and draw a bunch of cards. So that's pretty cool. I'm a fan of that. Yeah. Uh, I think I knew about this card forever ago and just sort of forgot about it because I was like, oh, when are you ever going to use that? And then, you know, here we are. So. Uh, and then, you know, staples for blue interaction, like run away together, that sort of thing. I don't have any stack, uh, like counter magic in here. No no counter spells, no negates, no nothing like that. This is literally like onboard interaction. And I'm actually kind of excited about it. Like I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I've also got a lot of ways to flicker and or bounce my own creatures. Uh, specifically ones with really good ETBs, you know, declare them as blockers, do the whole combat trick thing, uh, flicker them, bounce them, hit them with Saving Grasp, which I like quite a bit. Hubris, again, works in this situation. And then just if I got mana, I can draw cards off of them. You know, it's not... My deck doesn't not function if the commander's not on board. Like, it's okay. It's fine. If, if he's there, I'll draw extra cards. If not, I can still do things to the board. I can still attack. I can still cast my cards. And then, you know, if I play four enchantments in one turn and don't cast my commander for two more turns, that's fine because he will still care about what's already there. So I like that quite a bit. Cards like Scroll Shift and Flicker of Fate can target a creature or an enchantment. So those are extremely flexible here. I mentioned Reality Acid earlier, which is just for the uh, for the memes, for the lols. But, you know, they can hit uh, if I want to put Spectral Grasp, like if I put Spectral Grasp on, you know, somebody's Spirited Companion for no reason, and then four turns later, somebody drops an Ulamog's Crusher, like I can Flicker of Fate and put that Spectral Grasp on Ulamog's Crusher, like that sort of thing I was really interested in doing, and now we have a couple ways to do it, you know, we don't have a ton of effects like Scroll Shift and Flicker of Fate, but those two are really good ones, so I like those quite a bit. I'd, I'd like to interrupt here before we go any further, and sure. just say that nobody just reality acids for the lulls <laughs> i i can't let that one go <laughs> i'd lull <laughs> uh-huh multiple times so it's like plural lulls i, I lulls mm -hmm. <laughs> like nobody Beautiful. does it because they want to uh, have yeah, fun that's fair yeah that's fair they, they do it to lose their friends <laughs> It is that kind of card. Thankfully, there's only one of them in the deck. So yeah, this isn't. 60 I have some cut. ways to find it, but it's only one. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not dropping four of them. So uh, that's funny. Uh, but yeah, everything I've gone through so far is pretty much on the defensive side of things. Uh, how I'm not going to die on the other side of that coin is basically uh, I'm going to try to beat you up. 
you know, killing your opponents, we've said it on almost every 3x3 episode, I'm sure, but killing your opponents is one of the best ways to not die. So I'm going to try to do that some. Uh, for the, for the beat-up portion of this pillar, like I said, my plan is to turn the corner after I'm happy with where the board state is. You know, once I'm able to slap on an ethereal armor, all that glitter, steal the godhead, blah, 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 blah. It seems really good. And that's it. Like, I don't... I'm not rushing into combat as quickly as possible because, you know, I'm looking at things like uh, aviary mechanics, the 2-2, uh, you know, Moon Circuit Hacker has a 1, but, you know, I've got Oromancer that's a 2-2. Like, none of these creatures are huge. Monk Idealist, 2-2. Two, two. Like, I don't really have beaters. I have the Sword Coat Serpent, just in case. And that's about it. I mean, I have the Reindeer, which is a 3-4, which is fine. So, um, so what I'm hearing is that? Brad likes to, between this deck and OG, you like to build white-blue decks that just drag out the game. That's what it feels like. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but at least in this deck, you know, I've got the all that glitters and the ethereal armor that can theoretically do it quicker. Because I've got uh, the Shrine Steward, Totem Heart Guide Beast, uh, Heliod's Pilgrim. Like, I can go find, you know, if I'm ready to, like, okay, I think I can close out the game now. Sure. I'll go get that uh, all that glitters and hit you with my commander or something like that. Like, <laughs> uh, OG, if, if, if I'm not drawing into the combo, yeah, it's going to be <laughs> a miserable experience for everyone. Sometimes even me. Yeah, exactly. So this one theoretically can draw into it a little quicker. And I guess the difference, too, is this one straight up draws cards. Like in OG, I have cards that draw cards, but I actually have to cast them. Like the Aether Mage is just like, if you're going to do your thing, I'll pay you off. You know, you'll get paid off by drawing cards. So theoretically, I'll be able to dig a little bit better, uh, a little more deeply in this deck. I think OG has better card selection because it scries all the time. But as far as just straight up digging... Uh, I think Aether Mage may have the upper hand on OG in that scenario. So, uh, But that's pretty much it. I'm going to try to beat you up eventually, but we're just going to have to see where that goes. It's not a huge... I, I have a lot of creatures, but they're all here for the plan of bouncing my my enchantments. You know, I have ninjas to bounce my Skyfisher to cast again and bounce my whatever, my mana chains and draw a card. I have Deputy of Acquittals, which was one of my favorite cards ever. It's just a white and a blue for a 2-2 with Flash. When it ETBs, you return another creature you control to its owner's hand. Cast that, you know, uh, bounce my Oromancer. Cast the Oromancer, go get a different enchantment, draw a card in the meantime. Like, it's all these little synergies that build up over time to where... I, I, I'm not... This was a good building. This deck was a good experiment for me because I'm not normally good at building deck that builds a ton of little synergies. I'm usually like the Johnny, where it's just like smash. Here's a bunch of mana, and smash. Here's this big creature, and boom, I'm gonna do these crazy things. Like here's Orpheo, rah, I'm gonna fling this and do all this other stuff. Like this one actually took a little bit of uh, crafting to make it all come together. It wasn't just like, oh, cool. Uh, I want two dozen plus enchantments and I want some creatures and these are just the best enchantments in Azorius so I'm going to use these like no it didn't come down to that it's not like this mid-range pile it actually took a little bit of um, restraint to <laughs> pick the ones that I thought would be best or if I bounce them to my hand would they even be worth casting again that sort of thing so sure. um, I like them quite a bit so that's pretty much my plan eventually yes 
the plan is to win through combat because none of these enchantments do any damage. So I'm going to have to win through combat. Ideally, it's with commander damage to make it not last forever. But I do have flyers, ways of giving flying, ways of giving evasion. So the combat damage should be consistent. Just not... There's just not a ton of it at once. So that's pretty much my pillar three. Uh, I think we can go on to pillar four now. Liam, if you're ready. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to pillar four... Uh... This deck is basically 99% gas. It's it's not a fast <laughs> deck, but it is consistent. So mm -hmm. every card in the deck has a role to play and plays it well. There's really no such thing as a dead draw when you're playing this deck, other than like land number eight on turn ten. You know, if if, right. if you're flooding out in mono white, like that's obviously dead draws. But like anything else that you can cast is is a good card. This deck will continue to snowball until something stops it, and. Your two goals in this deck are to turn sideways every turn, beginning <laughs> turn four, and to prevent that something as much as possible. Yes. So, you know, the, 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 de the goals of the deck are pretty straightforward. Yeah, and that's particularly true, I've noticed, in uh, mono-white Voltron lists. Like, some Voltron lists... You can hold back if you have some sort of weird trick or some, you know, something else going on. But Mono White, it's just like you get, you got to be swinging. Yeah. Like every turn that you can, you have to do it. Yep. Welcome which to is Mono cool, White. which I'm okay with. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 100%. Uh, Dave, it looks like you spent most of the time typing up this long essay about Pillar 4. Yeah, there's, I feel like I've been talking about Pillar 4 this whole time, which is like, <laughs> It's wild to me that Hateful Eidolon just does all the things that you want it to be doing. Like, it's pillar I, I one. Think you're finally, I think you're finally experiencing what people that look at this deck experience. Because, like, when I first saw this deck, I'm like, damn, this is doing everything all the time and not ever stopping. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like you're finally <laughs> realizing that. What's, what, what's crazy to me is that pillar one is also pillar two is also pillar three is also pillar four like the the deck only does one thing it's just that that thing is all four pillars it kills your creatures and draws yeah like that's that's how it doesn't die that's how it doesn't run out of gas that's the thing that it's doing that's the payoff that it gets for doing it it kills your creatures and draws like that's that's it it's not right. four separate pillars it's just it's it's a it's a unicycle <laughs> it's a clown on a unicycle with uh juggling things I, or i don't know this metaphor got weird yeah. but it's not it's, it, like, it it's but, not but four separate it. things it's, it's just like one it's one thing that i have to put four different labels on it's not it's not different i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name different guards dear than i did in the last three pillars it's uh -uh. it's still dead weight it's still cadaver imp Still Dusk Legion Zealot, <laughs> still Yoke of the Damned. Like, it's the same thing. Yep. Oh, that is perfect. And, you yep. know, that's the, to me, like, that's the um, that's the sign of a good commander. Yeah. You know, like, it's it's written in such a way that if you play it correctly, or if you play it that way, it's, it's just going to do all those things. Yeah. My brother uh, has started, like, using pillars to, as, as like, tags in his deck. When, when he designs a deck, that. he'll... He'll tag the cards with with what pillar they go in, and like I, yeah. I think that that's actually a really good idea. That'll that'll make sure that because like, I'll, in a lot of decks you do need to do this thing where you you have you'll have the the cards that are going to enable the engine and the payoffs for the engine, and it is very important to make sure that those are in the the correct ratios. Right. But the the hateful idol only has one 
category of thing. It's just aura removals. I guess it's two. It's aura removal and utility creatures. That's like, you don't, it's all the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> like there's no, all, it's all of them are just the same pillar. Yeah. It's, I, it's weird. It's so elegant. It's, it's just, it works so nicely. Yeah. And it's one of those two that like, I, I sort of mentioned it with the Aether Mage deck that it's like, it's this incremental advantage that just doesn't stop. Yeah. And you're taking advantage of it the whole time as well. It's not just like, oh, look at me. I drew five cards on turn four, but nothing since then. Like, it's not like that at all. It's like you drew a card or two here and then the next turn and the next turn and the next turn. And it just keeps going and going. Yeah. It's one of those decks where, like, you're playing against it and, like, it, it's just doing so many things that you just kind of, like, subconsciously you're thinking in the back of your mind, like, they'll run out soon. Like, they're... They can't. They can't keep this up. They're, they're playing like three spells a turn. They're gonna be. They're gonna be hell bent any time now. And then like turn right. turn seven. You're like, how many cards are left in your hand? They're like, full grip. Got seven right here. And you're like, what? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> how? You know, in tw- twenty of your, I just counted them out. Like twenty of your enchantments are two mana or less. So you know, double and tripping oh. triple spelling on a turn is not impossible. Oh yeah, like the deck is super That's cheap. crazy. Like, none of these cards cost... Like, Wizards knows that Dead Weight is a terrible card. They're not going to make you pay extra mana for it. Like, it's all so cheap. And, like, the utility creatures cost nothing. They're Mm -hmm. all, like, one in... You know, I think Liliana Spectre is the the most expensive. Yeah, Cadaver Imp and Spectre, they're both three, but yeah. Yeah, like, most of it is Dusk Legion Zealot and Mordor Muster and Novice Occultist, I think, is in there. Unless it's not... No, novice or cultist mm, is gone. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's all like burglar rats, basilicus creatures. It's all really cheap. Hella cheap. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Very streamlined, but it, you know, and, and it's like you didn't. Hmm, how do I phrase it? Like you didn't have to like put all this crate. Like you didn't have to go out of your way to make this crazy like streamlined deck. It was like it, it's just right there. Yeah. Like, you just have to look deeper into the history of the game and find these cards. Yeah. Like the, the deck basically built itself. Like I didn't. Yeah. No, nothing about my build of this deck is like unique or special. Well, that's what I was thinking. I just don't want to say it. I didn't want to like take away from your deck. <laughs> no, you know no, what I'm no, saying? You can take cause... away from it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I've, I've put extraordinarily little thought into this deck. It just, it kind of <laughs> happened on its own. And now it's so like this. It built itself. It plays itself. What yeah. does it not do? Yeah. I'm just the driver. I just, I just have to bring it to the game is all. It doesn't make you breakfast yet. We'll no, give, yet. Give, give Magic a couple of years. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, a couple of years. We'll that see power, what, power creep. We'll see what 2024 brings us. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. What is... Well, excellent. How is how, how is your deck going to not run out of gas? How is your Azorius Aether Mage? I, I ask because I haven't read the card and I don't know what the text says. So yeah, you'll, no have to, you'll have to tell me. It is. Whenever a permanent is returned to your hand, you may pay one. If you do, draw a card. What? Like, that's the gas right that's there. That's gas forever! I, I think I compared it to Hateful Eidolon earlier. I, it's not a one-for-one comparison. It's not completely equal, but this deck is like 99% gas. Uh, it's definitely not going to be fast, but I feel like it's going to be consistent. You know, if you just... Uh, if you hop onto Moxfield, you know, and you just happen to see this deck, you're going to look at it and you're probably thinking that like, oh, you know, this is, you know, 
an en- enchantment matters quote unquote deck, but you know, 25 enchantments, is that really going to be enough to deserve this spot in a three by three episode or whatever? But then, you know, if you look into it, I've got over or roughly 30 ways to flicker permanence or get those enchantments back into my hand. So really, I've got like 60 enchantments, like 60 ways to cast enchantments. <laughs> <laughs> the rest Beautiful. of the deck is just land. That's, that's it's the whole just thing. land, right? It's that and land. That, that's it. Like, I've got so many ways to get them back, cast them again, get them back, flicker them, cast them, flicker them, do all this crazy stuff, uh, and drawing cards along the way. Like, that's fine. Uh, some examples, I mentioned Deputy of Quiddles earlier. It's great. It can get me back my Dream Stalker that bounces a permanent. It can get me back my Sky Fisher that bounces a permanent. It can get me back uh, the shrine steward to for me to go look for another enchantment like it'll do all these crazy stuff uh moon circuit hacker and ninja of the deep hours i put in there for the same reason bounce a creature recast it uh that sort of fun thing uh silver drake this is one that i definitely forgot about until building this deck it's basically uh a generic a white and a blue for three three flying drake when it etbs you bounce a white or blue creature to its owner's hand Uh, i plan on using that for me mainly to bounce my uh, spirited companions or what have you, anything that's going to get me back an enchantment. And all the while I'm bouncing these creatures, like I'm paying the one if I have it to draw a card. There's no reason not to, basically. Uh, Shrieking Drake is the one mana Drake that bounces a creature. Uh, there's no you know, there's no condition on that. It's just when it ETBs, return a creature you control to its owner's hand. Easy. It's a one mana, one one flyer. Like, you know, and some of these creatures too... That's also going to help me with the Pillar 3, because a lot of these creatures that bounce other creatures are flyers. Shrieking Drake, Silver Drake, Core Skyfisher, uh, Ornithopter of Paradise, it doesn't bounce, but it's a flyer. You know, uh, Transcendent Envoy is a flyer, that sort of thing. These are going to help me cast things easier and draw cards off the Aether Mage. Uh, Teferi's Time Twist hits any permanent. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's a creature, it comes back in with a plus one, plus one counter, but it'll hit any permanent. That's fine. Uh, a call to heal. This is one that I discovered. Didn't know this existed. I didn't. I don't know a lot of battle bond cards, but I found this one. Uh, it's two mana for a for a bounce. Return target creature to its owner's hand. Its controller draws a card. Okay, so for three mana, I can bounce a good ETB creature and draw two cards. Like that seems good to me in certain situations. So I think it's worth testing. Uh, I think I mentioned it earlier. Uh, hubris is super spicy. I'll never not talk about that card in this deck. Uh, Shimmering Wings, I think I mentioned that one earlier. Uh, you, you can just bounce itself back to your hand. Like, how cool is that in this particular deck? Because you're just like a blue and one, I'll draw a card and get this enchantment back, recast it, trigger something else. Like, there's so many different little uh, synergies along the way that I, I think it's all going to add up. Uh, there's one that I discovered from whoa i guess i didn't discover it i just sort of like glazed over it maybe in our set review is stockpiling celebrant it's a three mana three two and when it etbs you can return another non-land permanent you control to its owner's hand and if you do scry two like that doesn't seem too bad scry two and then you know pick the best one to 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 draw from aether Mage. that seems fine i really like that one yeah i like that one quite a bit i don't know if we talked about it in our set review but i don't feel like we did probably should have we might have missed that one. Yeah. Uh, so I got stuff like that, you know, Gossamer Chains. Like, you can just return it to your hand for free and recast it. Like, it's, uh, for anybody who doesn't play it, I got smoked by Seder Enchanter playing this card once, so I've never forgotten it. Uh, but it's 
double white mana for an enchantment, return Gossamer Chains to its owner's hand, and when you do, target unblocked creature deals no combat damage this turn. So you bounce it for free, you pay the one to draw a card, and you don't take any damage from that creature. Okay, like, sign me up. Like, that's totally fine with me. Gossamer Chains a whole thing. It is a whole thing, and it's... <laughs> God, it's a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a really good way to put it. Containment membrane seems fun. You know, it's just another one that ETBs and taps a creature. It doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. It's normally three mana, but it's got surge for a single blue. So if you cast another spell that turn, it only costs a single blue. That's cool. Um, Dave recommended Cage of Hands for three mana. For two white, you can return Cage of Hands to its owner's hand. Like, there's so many ways to if nothing's happening on the board and I can't seem to draw my bounce creatures, my sky fishers and whatnot, I can just bring the enchantments back on their own and draw a card to try to get to those creatures, try to get to my sword coast serpent, all that sort of cool stuff. So uh, I'm pretty excited for it. And then finally, some of the gas comes in the form of saving a bit of mana uh, because I'll be paying the one with Aether Mage. I want to make sure I have that mana available. So Starnheim Courser, Transcendent Envoy, and Sunscape Familiar are in the deck to make uh, basically make my enchantments and artifacts cheaper and then to make my blue spells cheaper as well. So that should help out quite a bit. I'm a big fan of those in a deck like this. Uh, playing and replaying all these enchantments should be pretty easy on the mana wallet. Uh, and then, you know, not for nothing, but Moon Circuit Hacker and Spirit of Companion are both enchantments as well. So pretty excited about that. And then two, <laughs> two cards that I think are going to be absolute gas in this deck are... One is Gush. Okay, so you float a blue mana and then you bounce two islands and draw three cards... Four yep. cards, whatever, you know, like whatever mana you can spend on it. <laughs> yeah, four four cards See, for two mana. Seems all right. That seems pretty good. And then to a lesser extent, we've got Tragic Lesson, which is two and a blue, draw two cards, then discard a card unless you return a land you control to its owner's hand, and it's an instant. So it basically just reads draw three cards because you're bouncing that land and paying for Aether Mage's ability. So seems good as well. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't have a way... I don't have a ton of ways to literally draw cards. Uh, obviously, Gush and Tragic Lesson, those seem really good. Uh, Moon Circuit Hacker, Spirited Companion, just sort of incidental card draw. But the main source of card advantage or how to not run out of gas here is the enchantments themselves. Replaying them, rebuying them, bouncing them, flickering them, all that sort of thing, you know. It's not really... Yeah, I joke that like, oh, I have 60 enchantments in this deck, but it kind of feels like that on paper you know if i've got a way to bounce the enchantment on its own and replaying it that's like a free card almost i mean you get to do the thing again to a certain extent so yeah i i think the gas is just built in and it doesn't even if aether mage isn't on board shimmering wings still bounces to my hand and i can still put it on a better creature you know if aether mage isn't on board gossamer chains is still awesome it's all those little things that, that still matter, even though the commander may end up costing seven or nine mana at some point. And I'm okay with that. I'm kind of glad it worked out that way because I didn't want to, when I was picking a deck for this episode, that was one thing I tried to avoid was the, like, I'm kind of known as being like the aura guy and sometimes the Voltron guy. And I just don't want to go that route for this episode. I wanted to push my deck building, I don't know, uh, abilities a little bit. And I, I think this sort of met my my expectations for myself. So I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. And then 
the next step is just play it, see how it goes. But it seems pretty, pretty interesting. How do you... I know you've played your Eidolon deck quite a bit, and even in your primer, you're like, this is really oppressive. Like, does it actually play out to be pretty rough on the table? Uh, I think it used to... Like, uh, the the version of the deck that's online right now is pretty heavily updated. Like, you said that the Gary's in it, but it's it's in there with the tag cut me, and I'm, there's a sideboard of all the cards I'm going to add. Like, the yeah. the deck used to be a lot more control-focused. Like, it, it, in addition to all the removal auras, I was running things like murder and just, like, go for the throat. Mm, like straight up removal, right? Because like you know, a lot of these, a lot of these things, like you know, feebleness or like Mokus's favor, like those mm-hmm. might not actually kill a creature. Like you might have to put the aura on it and then hit it with the murder, as well. Right. So like I was, I was much more heavily into like actual good control cards alongside the goofy control cards, and I've I've moved away from that in a big way. Like Gary is out, murder is out, like all the act, all the all the really good control spells are gone. And now it's mm-hmm. just the goofy, like, you know, wither crown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Nyx infusion, like, twisted embrace, I guess, is actually kind of good. It's like the four mana sorcery speed murder. I say kind of good, and then I describe a really bad card. Uh, yeah, kind of good four mana murder. <laughs> four mana sorcery speed murder. Um, yeah, so like... Yeah, that's great. I have moved this deck really far away from oppressive, just because I didn't like how it used to play. And okay, I, like cool, I wanted, cool, cool, cool. I wanted it to be more about look at this weird aura from 1997, and I want everyone look at to... maggot therapy, right? Like <laughs> let's all let's all appreciate funeral march from homelands, <laughs> like yeah, right, 100. I want I want it to be the deck where you know like like the the tempting listed deck where every time you play a spell, everyone at the table goes like what. <laughs> Like that's yeah, what's happening. That's not real. You just made that up. Like cards, cards <laughs> didn't look like this even in the nineties. Like I want it to be uh-huh. that deck and still be functional. So like I think that's where it's at right now. Like it is sure it, there are elements of it that can feel oppressive because it is going to kill all the two butts like a lot. But I mean, right. it's not. It's going to struggle a little bit more than that to kill the three butts and the four butts. So it's not going to. It's not. It's far from unbeatable. Yeah, and, it's... and that's one of the cool things about it, too, is it's not like, oh, I'm going to remove everything you got, and there is no way you're going to win. Right. Like, it's just not that type of deck. Yeah, it's going to remove a lot of things, and like it, probably not the really important things. I, I honestly want the card draw more than I want the control. So like, if I can, right. if I can exactly. turn you know, Spinal Graft <laughs> into a cantrip, I'm doing it. Yeah, and that that's how I built the Aether Mage deck. I wanted the card draw and I wanted the enchantments more than I wanted counterspell mm-hmm. or arcane denial or negate or dispel or what have you. Like it's fine. And I just found one that I did not put in my pillar four, but it's contempt. It's Ooh, a generic and a blue. Yeah, for an enchantment. If enchanted creature attacks, return that creature and contempt to its owner's hand at the end of combat. So it still gets to deal its damage, right? Yes. Yeah. So then you deal your damage. You bounce contempt and the creature. You pay two. You draw two. Like, okay, like that's all I want to do. That's completely fine with me. Yeah, <laughs> seems pretty solid. Yeah. So, yep, pretty happy with how it turned out. Uh, I know. Actually, I feel like I've lost to the Graceblade Artisan deck before. How how do you like that deck, Liam? Uh, I enjoy it. 
I I don't ever expect to win when I am playing with it, but I have taken people out of the game with it before. Yeah, pretty successfully too. Yes. Yeah. It's not hard to take out one player by turn five or six, because uh, usually there's a slow player or there's a combo player, so they're, they're just going to be forced to go. Yeah. I can usually eke out a second player, but it's that third player that the deck really struggles to, to push over. Yep. Hashtag Voltron problems. Yeah. Yep. I don't really blame the deck for it. It's a Voltron problem. <laughs> it, it is. It's an archetype problem. It's not the deck problem. The deck's sweet. Yeah. It's a problem with the archetype. Oh, awesome. Excellent 3x3 three three episode. Is there anything you guys wanted to add before we get on out of here? Uh, I'm good. Not for my part. Yeah. Yeah. I feel all, like all these decks. Oh, go ahead. I feel like I've said the same thing for each of the four pillars. I feel like <laughs> reiterating anything now is, is a waste of everyone's time. Sounds good to me. Yeah, all these deck lists will be in the show details down at the bottom or whatever platform you're on. Just look for them there. You can play test them on Moxfield, do whatever you want. So, um, but yeah, they'll be available. So I think we're going to move on out of here. We just got a few more things before we wrap it up for the week as usual. If you need more Popper Commander Talk or have any questions about the format, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on X. We're just the PDH Pod on both of those platforms. You can email us at thepdhpod at gmail.com, or you can head on over to the PDH Homebase's website. That'll take you right to the Discord server where just about everybody in the community hangs out and finds games and talks to each other. Uh, you can find Liam and I on Twek. Uh, Twex, oh my god. Uh, X slash Twitter at Popper Command and at Popper underscore B, respectively. As always, you can find Dave as the Alcadron just about everywhere else PDH is being talked about. And then, like I said, all these links will be down uh, in the show details, uh, all the social media links, all the deck lists, all that sort of thing. Uh, looks like we got a big fat image of Liam going to Chicago. Pretty stoked about that in the show notes as well. But I think that's going to wrap it up for episode 76 of the PDH Pod. But we want to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck. Have an enchanted evening. And we'll see you in a week. Peace. Cheers. No see ya. Do it. Do it. Just click the thing. You're going you're gonna to like it, I promise. Party. I brought proper text at the party.